This episode of the Board Game Barbecue Podcast is proudly sponsored by Hyper Viper Games. Head to hyperviperGames.com, that's Viper with a Y, to find the most affordable, high-quality playmats for your enhanced gaming experience. Three millimeters thick, stitched edging, multiple sizes and designs. That's hyperviperGames.com. Welcome to the Board Game Barbecue, possibly the fastest growing board game community in the world. We are more than just a podcast. Join us on Discord to play games all the time with people from all over the world on platforms like Tabletop Simulator, Tabletopia, Board Game Arena, and any others. Join us in our Facebook community to discuss not only the topics of the week that come up in our podcast, but also the board game bracket and anything board games. But we still are a podcast. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. The Board Game Barbecue, brought to you by addicts, not experts. Welcome to the Board Game Barbecue Podcast. Today, I'm hosting. I'm Mike. Nice to see you all here. Um, we've got a few lovely gentlemen in the room today, and I'm excited to introduce everybody. So first, let's kick it off up to Brisbane. Hi, Adrian. How you doing, mate? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Brisbane's doing very, very hot well. today. It's like 33 degrees, and I'm inside with the aircon on, so yeah. That's the way. I like it. Look, I'm in Melbourne, mate, so it's cold at the moment. It might be hot another hour, then yeah. back to freezing again. So you'll be snowing never know what's afternoon. coming. This afternoon you'll be having snow. But exactly. So then we'll have a barbecue outside for dinner, mate. It'll all be happening. <laughs> and then we're going to take it on up to Canberra. Hi, Jules. How you doing? I'm good, Mike. How you doing? Doing very well. Thanks, mate. Excited for today's episode? I'm super excited. I'm excited. <laughs> and then uh, we've got... Two gentlemen coming to us from the USA today. Uh, some men who need no formal introduction. Their greeting is quack. We've got Jesse Anderson and Jan from Quack 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 Gentlemen, welcome. Hang on, they, I, I didn't realize that they were on USA Today either. Like, is that the thing? <laughs> <laughs> we're everywhere at this point, man. <laughs> we're uh, we're we're doing well since since we're talking about weather. I, I have a question for y'all because we have a uh, conundrum happening in Kentucky right now. Mm-hmm. In Australia, do y'all have the rain that falls from the sky and freezes as it touches things? <laughs> no, not really. No, not really. <laughs> because that's currently what's happening right now. There's out here. enough yeah. danger in Australia already, Jesse. I don't think yeah. they need more. We I have hailstones. Yeah, we get hailstones the size that of oranges kills, that kill people. <laughs> well, yeah. listen, if I but if I lay outside for another three or four hours, I will be encased in ice. Oh wow, okay. that's cool in itself, though. <laughs> right, yeah, like that's that. true. Just make sure in a Han Solo sort of pose as you do it, because that would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, gentlemen, welcome to the barbecue. It's amazing to have you here. Um, Thank we're you looking for forward us. to having a good conversation today. Yes. Um, look, I wanted to kick it off with something that I heard on uh, one of the episodes recently. Um, I really like the idea that, Jesse, you were saying that Quackalope started from the feeling you got from Labyrinth Games and Puzzles in Washington, yep. D.C. Um, you sort of spoke about, you know, how it made you feel being there, what it did for you, and you wanting to sort of bring that back to your own community. Do you want to touch on that a little bit, mate? Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept and one that I don't think we fully realized um, or or started verbalizing for some time, uh, genuinely. I mean, Qu- Quackalope started as my attempt to bridge, you know, high quality video production from my my past career into the board game space that I thought could use a little bit more high quality video production. I thought there was a market there that I could tap into alongside a hobby that I loved. 
But since then, we've started realizing and, and developing and identifying that Kathleen Donahue, the owner of Labyrinth Games and Puzzles, an amazing woman uh, who I basically live my life trying to impress and gain the respect of. You'll never do it. I know. I'll oh, never I'll okay. never quite do it. She she built this community that Jan and I both found a home in, uh, both of us being a little bit of outcasts in our own right. And I'll let Jan speak for himself. But I know myself when I was in Washington, D.C., when I first moved into that city, I'd lived there for about a year and a half and really not found a place to connect with. And that's been true for a large majority of my life. Um, I always have felt a little bit on the outskirts, willing to work, focused on on building a career, or building a business or doing a hobby, but never really connecting with a larger community or group of people outside of that. Uh, and Kathleen, from the very from the very start, the culture that she built was one that that valued, uh, you know, whoever you were walking through those doors, whether it was, you know, sex, race, religion, you know, where you came from. Washington, D.C. is such a dynamic city. Uh, and Kathleen had built this space that the moment you walked in, you were greeted and welcomed. Uh, you were invited to come sit at a table. There was always someone willing to uh, reach out a hand and teach you a game or spend some time with you. And for me, I'm the type of person that if you put me in a room and tell me to go play a game, I'll end up sitting at a table by myself. Um, maybe not so much anymore because this is Quackalope. I feel like I have a responsibility to extend that hand that others have done for me. You also won't uh, be able to do it, Jesse. Someone will sit at that table. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> but, but genuinely, we've, we've been in this space for about two years now. And one of the things I've started realizing more and more uh, is that the focus of what we're doing is not about video production. It's not about the quality of the content. It's not about how much we put out or what type of content we put out. It's about what we can do to build community. In a lot of ways, that means what we can do to uh, reflect and uh, and and basically build a space that represents what Labyrinth Games and Puzzles was for me uh, in this greater hobby world. If I could do that, it'd probably it'd probably be one of the most worthwhile things I've ever put my time and attention into. Yeah. And and I think that that process in which we've discovered that we want to become that for 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 all, all people uh, was really interesting. Uh, I know that when I got into board games, I got back, I got into board games when I was living in Puerto Rico. Um, I used to be the geek that didn't like I had friends, but all my friends were weird. And all we used to hey do now. was just play video yeah. games. We're still weird. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm more weird than I was before. You uh, use that as a past tense when it's just, yeah. Present tense <laughs> weird flag fly. Absolutely. <laughs> quack, 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 quack. Honk, honk. And so we only used to play video games. So that meant that we would either be doing couch co-op or nothing else because at that time, you know, online didn't exist that much. And I didn't really have a lot of other activities that I could kind of flex my brain a little bit, you know, not necessarily exercise because I've never really exercised in my life, but I needed something that started celebrating the ideas of cooperation, collaboration, competitiveness, trying to understand these other social cues that I just wasn't getting by looking at a screen all the time. And that was a huge dampening, dampening element too. I want to connect with my friends. I don't want to connect with a TV. I don't want to connect with pixels. Mm. So, so it was, it was a weird type of thing like there was a hunger in my in my soul for something different and then one day one of my best friends from uh, like, like one of my best friends from puerto rico brought up hero clicks and that completely changed the the my entire future from that point onwards i got obsessed with with finding out like what plastic in person a game that we that we do here i can touch it what is this it 
it blew my mind. And from that point onwards, I just started like delving into like, what is this? Like a worker, a worker plaza meant? What, what is, what is this? Que es esto? Que esto? No entiendo. And that's how I it started mio. getting. I, yeah, someone knows their Espanol. <laughs> uh, and so I started delving deeper into the hobby itself. And I became like, it was my friend that introduced me to the concept of modern board games. I became the, how do you say it's like the, the connoisseur or the, the, you got it right. Connoisseur, the connoisseur of board games. So I was then kind of tasting like Manchester madness. It has a slight taste of horror and yet fun. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring this one tonight and hmm, munchkin. Ah, kind of random, but also fun. And I would now start introducing my friends to this stuff. And I remember making these huge events around making and this, I swear to God, I've had a point this entire time making the event feel comfortable and welcoming for all my friends so that when they sit down at my table, it it was a huge thing. It was something special. It was our time to be together. And that's what we're doing at Quackalope at the end of the yeah. day. We are trying to create the perfect space that we can, that we can muster for absolutely every single human being out there that is curious about this hobby. Yeah. You know, that is that is looking for a connection because maybe they didn't find it at their school. Maybe they didn't find it at university. Maybe they didn't find it at work. Maybe they didn't find it in sports or, like I did. I couldn't their, find it. Even anything. at their own game days. Even at their own game day, they might not have found it. They might have gone to a game day and the games were being played that were incredibly heavy and then they just got palmed off and they felt like, you know, yep. shunned, oh, shunned by when, it. So. When, I, when I came back to Kentucky, nothing against Kentucky, but a little bit more rural, a little bit more kind of in your own bubble when it comes to the type of experience mm-hmm. you might have at a uh, at a classic game store, I came back having the experience that I had at Labyrinth Games and Puzzles and wanting to connect uh, with a community in my original hometown. And I walked into a game store, uh, wasn't greeted at the front desk. It was a little dim and dusky. And I'm sure there's good people there. I, I, I 100% would stand by that. But I walked around that room during an open game night and didn't get invited to a single table. And I was still me. I was still me. I found that like I reverted back to the type of person I was before building Quackalope. Uh, and I, I walked, I walked around the room, looked at a few games, I think nodded at one person and then walked right out those front doors again. Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think that because that's the exact same experience that we've had over here. Well, I personally have had, I've gone to a games night, gone into this store, not even been greeted by the people that are there. And I agree with you, Jesse, there are good people there. I, I They're just, just as weird know. and awkward as me. Yeah, I feel yes, exactly. I feel uncomfortable yeah. reaching out yeah. to people, especially yeah. if he's awkwardly walking around the room. I don't yeah. blame them for it, but yeah. it doesn't change the fact that what we are trying to do, and I think what you all are trying to do, is how yeah. do we consciously and purposefully extend that hand mm. so that so that people like us don't get missed. And yeah, people like 100%. the people that are already sitting there don't get missed. We're all a little weird and quirky in our own way. Yeah, we need 100%. games to bring us to the table. Yeah. Yeah. We um, we're actually hosting our first games night next month. Oh. Um, well, oh. actually, and it's a, a big event. We have, you know, tickets and bits and bobs that are going on on the day. But yeah, it's, it's to try and bring everybody together in a space that everyone feels comfortable. And we even have uh, allocated like nine teachers that are there for the day. That's awesome. Nice. That teach people and they'll have their own like uniform on so that yeah. everyone can identify that these guys are going to help me learn this game. The games they're happy to teach are going to be printed on the back of their shirt. So people yeah. can go, cool. I like that. Yeah. 
I can approach. Yeah. You don't even you don't even have to make eye contact before no. you decide if you want to talk <laughs> to that person. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Just stand awkwardly behind them. But yeah, like that's it's so right that that I think that happens in a lot of these uh, forums, these board game places because i think that a lot of people feel awkward approaching others yeah especially when they're already playing a game if i see a game of people playing a game with four people already playing i, I wouldn't sit down next to them yeah. just it's, to ask questions yep, so yep. interesting for a hobby that is fundamentally incredibly social that there mm-hmm. is so much anti-social behavior and i think what it comes down to is that people aren't necessarily willing to be vulnerable to open themselves up and just connect with another person. It, it's a scary thing to do. I'm not saying that it's easy, but being vulnerable is, I think, what it takes to build community yeah. because otherwise we get stuck in those same bubbles and we do miss those people. Those people walk into a store store and walk out and fall through that crack. I, I over the last two years, and Jane will tell you this because I, I got to be honest, uh, you know, we're best friends and that comes along with him being a little bit too close to my personal failings a lot of the time, right? That's how friendship work. Mm-hmm. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I over the last two years have had to work. And I think, I think anyone that gets into this space um, has had to, I've had to work and break down walls and break down barriers and identify vulnerabilities and uh, try my best to build a bridge that is emotionally honest with the people that are sitting across from from the camera. And, and I think we've done a good job at that. I mean, we've had moments where, uh, you know, being genuine and, and just telling the truth when it comes when it comes to the people sitting across from us made all the difference in the world, both for my experience and their their reception of the of the event. Um, but it's not it's not easy. No, it's, it's not. It's not, not easy at all. And Jesse, another thing that that I think we 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 picked up on very early on is that every time we would post a video requesting uh, our fans to tell us, "Hey, hey guys, what do you want? What do you want to see?" Everyone's response was gameplay. We want to see more gameplay, and that was really curious to us because you know that the most popular formats on any channel are reviews and and in depth analysis of things, but people would constantly just ask to see us play games, and. I think that was one of the first cues that we had where, oh, wait, so are we just are we just like the channel of friendship uh, in the board game space? Like, is that what we're aiming for? Is that what we want to be? And the more that we've moved forward, the more that we've confirmed that that what what people see when people see Jesse talking to the camera, they don't see a board game media creator. They see a friend Yes, when they see us sitting at the table. They and see people that they could relate to sorry, and have fun with. Sorry, Jesse. I actually see a hypnotist because, dude, your voice, <laughs> your oh, voice, man, yeah. is hypnotic, bro. I'm telling you now. <laughs> your, your just chilled aspect and the way you talk, and it's just so relaxing. And it's just, yeah, it is. Awesome. He has history so for well that, actually. <laughs> it's in his blood. Yeah. I, oh, wow. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's, it is not. It has not been. Whether the way I talk, whatever. Let that sit to the side. Um, but <laughs> being being open and being honest and trying to be vulnerable on the camera um, has been. It's interesting because it's it's not only been very very hard, uh, but I also the more I do it, the more I want to do it. Like mm, the yeah. more we've explored the idea of having in depth conversations. Like I'm working on a video that I've been. I usually let conversational videos sit on my head for you know a few weeks if not months on end 
Um, and right now I've got a video that I will be doing at some point here, here soon, um, about depression, about, uh, kind of the impact of the last year and something that I've struggled with for, uh, a long time, but it's not, it's not, it can't come from the lens of telling war stories. It can't come from the lens of asking for help. It has to come from a position of, I'm at a position where I can be vulnerable and share my story because I've had so many private messages of people that have reached out to the channel um, and have connected with the gameplays or connected with the conversations or connected with the community, especially this last year, uh, that are struggling with the same things that I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can help people through being genuine, uh, then it is worth whatever whatever hardship it is to be as genuine as we can be. I think it's an amazing thing. Like I agree with Adrian. Look, I'm still quite new to the industry and to the hobby and I'm still learning what content creators out there. So I'm actually quite a new fan of yours, Jesse, you know, like um, I've been trying to absorb as much. Well, do your as research I can of first. Yours. I mean, I'm, I'm getting into I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. But, uh, There's this new right, channel coming that... out called Quaca Lope with a, with an yeah. accent on the E. I don't know. Just keep it, keep an eye out for that one. But uh-huh. but Adrian said the nail on the head, your cadence and I think you know the hypnoticism of you moving that pen around and grabbing your little sheet of paper card, it's 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 all amazing and it creates this environment of calm and focus. And I really appreciate that. And you sort of touch on it sometimes, is that you're not throwing information at me and you're not throwing your opinion at me. You're having a conversation with me. And from what I understand, that's a big part of what you do, and that I really appreciate. Like when I saw the video of you saying five reasons never to play King Death Monster, and then hearing it's one of your favorite, my games, favorite game of all time, yeah, you know, and and then hearing <laughs> that, I, I I I could feel that tension of oh, I want to defend it, and then you said it, I want to defend this game, but no, I'm just trying to convey this opinion because if you're looking for a reason not to buy it, these are the reasons not to buy it, and I appreciated that so much in terms of. I'm not going to tell you why you have to get it and why you should get it. This is my favorite game of all time. And this is why, if you need some reasons, here's why not to buy it. And I just, I found that to be such an original concept that I really, truly appreciated and just found something really unique from what I've seen so far. I've not seen anything like that so far. And I thought it was amazing. Yeah, our, our confirmation bias series, uh, we've done a few of them. Um, it started with Kingdom Death. We have Nemesis and Root currently in the works. Uh, and they have to be games that you know how to love or appreciate or have a foundation to. There's no there's no desire on our channel to ever tear apart or rip apart a game that is genuinely bad or a game that is from a small publisher mm-hmm. where it matters. Those will all 100%. go into the the other review format that we have that Jan and I invented together called Right For You, Wrong For You, where we have a conversation about what might make this game shine or not hit your table without having to dig into negatives. But um, but I like confirmation bias. It's it's a thing that we will be doing a lot more over the course of this next year. That's exciting. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that actually really, it kind of came from nowhere was your vindication video. Like, how it was like middle of the Kickstarter, you weren't affiliated with the Kickstarter campaign, but the passion that you had for the game itself shone through from your conversation piece. And you didn't, you weren't necessarily trying to sell it. You were just saying, I personally believe this is a good game and it has a good future. And I really, that video just blew me away. I think I've watched it like seven or eight times. It's so good. I think that's my favorite video. And I just wanted what, like, obviously you like the game, so there must have been some of the inspiration behind it, but what made you commit and just say, I'm doing this video 
So I, I, I mean, it's got to start with the fact that I have all the respect and admiration in the world for Orange Nebula and Tom 100%. and what that team is doing. Uh, they, Great work. They're amazing if I'm, people. if I'm going to be biased for a game or, or anything, I'm, I'm weak for indie games. I'll start there. Uh, we'll get into that later in this, in this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also am weak for people who are willing to, and, and have a passion for the community, just like you all do. Um, and any content creator, any publisher, any person that, that shows that they're willing to take the time to invest in others. Um, I, I want to do the same for them. Uh, so that's part of it. Uh, that's not enough on its own though. Um, Vindication is a, a absolutely beautiful game and they were introducing a element and a mechanic that, uh, for me is the biggest criticism that I had of it. Yeah. Uh, they were bringing theme and story into a title that I loved a lot of, but still had reservations around that one element. Um, and I trusted them to do so. And then finally, uh, kind of the last part of it is that was another experimental format that we're working on. It's more scripted. Uh, it's got voiceover. It gives me the opportunity to talk about and merge theme and mechanics a little bit more. Uh, and of course, I get to show off some some fancy videography skills and really paint a picture. And Vindication is such a beautiful production um, that uh, given the opportunity to explore a new a new format for our channel... Um, through the lens of vindication was a really mm. cool opportunity. Nice one. Yeah, nice. Just going back to community, I've. This is something that we're trying to do as well. You know, when we started this podcast, we didn't know each other. We were literally randoms on a random Facebook Australian board game community. Jules, and- I haven't met you guys. No, we've never met in person. <laughs> we've never uh, met in real life. Yeah, so, no. <laughs> so Jan and I met because of Quackalope. Six months yeah. into it, he invited me out for a coffee date, and that's how we started It wasn't connecting. a date. It was a business meeting, but okay. It was a date. It was a date. We'll both interpret it. Our Patreon community has totally shipped us. I'll interpret it the way I choose, yeah. Jan. Uh, <laughs> Janalope is it? I think it's a, the, the Some, show. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty rough. Uh, and then Alex from Board Game Co., Uh, him and I have met and connected and, but all three of us are day, like we talk every single day. We're Mm -hmm. like best friends. We run. Oh, and we should probably let people know, uh, that us three run our podcast called the Quackalope podcast together. And Jan and him have never once connected. No, I actually met Alex before Jesse did. Because Alex runs like this huge (laughs) trading company and I traded with the guy and I drove Uh, him crazy. Like he hated me uh, at one point. Then I became like his favorite customer. Point is, (laughs) yes, it's it's insane how we're able to bridge these gaps and create content even even if we don't have that personal personal relationship yet. I totally interrupted you in the middle of a point, though. No, that's all good. (laughs) I was just saying it's it's funny how we started this from this organic beginning. You know, we never met each other. It's just randoms that said we're passionate about games let's do a podcast and see what happens and we haven't even been going a year yet and we've just been blown away by the support and it's been an interesting journey in trying to keep up with the growth and because one of the things that we really want to do is always have a positive message we're not we we will never tear down a game even if it is fundamentally bad we're not there to tear down what is ultimately someone's work and it's really refreshing to hear someone else in the industry that also has that perspective. But coming to what my actual question is, <laughs> with the growth that you guys have had in the past two, two and a half years, I guess you've been going, and it's been about so fast. Yeah, about two years. So 
how do you feel, or maybe here's the question, how do you feel that you can still keep a sense of community as it gets bigger? Because I feel like it's really difficult as that audience keeps growing and growing and growing to tens of thousands of people that naturally that body of people doesn't start to, doesn't feel like a community. In my mind, community is a handful of people or 10, 20 people, not 20,000 people. So how have you managed to keep that community feel or do you feel like you're managing it well? It's uh, it's this hypnotic superpowers. Oh, the gypsy, they're up to us. <laughs> Jan, do you got a you got an answer for that? Because I'll take a swing at it. Oh, bro, honestly, if 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 anybody's gonna talk shop about plants, it has to be you, my friend. It oh. has to be you. So, I think the first stage of knowing that you have a cult is when <laughs> members of your community start openly discussing and asking whether or not you are a cult. And then responding with, we're not uncomfortable with the idea. We just want to clarify the terms of this, you know, entanglement. Uh, how do we keep community as we've grown? Well, there's a few, there's a few caveats. Um, I, believe, I believe we've grown too fast for our own good in a lot of ways. Um, it has, uh, it's been incredible. I mean, I'm super grateful for the support and the time and, and, and it has been very purposeful. We have done, I've done everything I can to keep the momentum up. And continue growing. But um, the reality of it is, I, you know, over the last year and the challenge that this last year was for the majority of people around the world, uh, I've burned out, you know, three or four times um, for, you know, either a few days or, you know, this last time I, I probably burned out for two or three weeks. Um, and if you look on the channel, you'll see little pockets that reflect that type of exhaustion. Right. And it's not just it's not just physical exhaustion. Honestly, where I am the most vulnerable and where I'm the most, you know, worn out uh, is the emotional bandwidth. Um, and that is the part that over, over the course of the last few years, I have, I have done my best to bring down walls and bring down barriers and open myself up in a way that allows me to connect with the community. Um, that also comes at a cost. Uh, there are more people now than I've ever had that I genuinely care about and would pause and invest time for that. I would cross the country in order to help. Uh, there are more people now that I have a obligation to respond to. Um, if I pull up my phone uh, right now to take a look at things, I currently have uh, 12 Facebook message, 25 text messages, and 27 unread emails, and something like 60 emails that should be responded to. And that's just answering every yeah. day. I, also. I have, I have 49 of those wow. emails a month. I, I have 40, it's your fault, Adrian. <laughs> I have, I have 45 direct messages on discord. Uh, and I have a pile of comments that I haven't been able to keep up with. Um, it, uh, and yet, and I still very much am doing my very best to be purposeful about taking the time necessary to respond to each one of those. Uh, how do you keep a sense of community as you grow? Because a community, like you said, you think of as a backyard barbecue, as you know, eight or nine people getting together and spending some time together. You have to remember that every single person is an individual um, and every single comment and interaction and uh, moment that you're able to have with people uh, is time that they're dedicating to you just like you're dedicating to them. Um, I know this gets more complicated as we get bigger. I know, you know, people like Rodney Smith and what, you know, from Watch It Played have to make real decisions about where they spend their time because it starts taking away from things like their family and the other type of work that they can do. Um, but that's, 
that's my best answer that I have. I, I'm not going to be great at it. And there's going to be a lot of things that fall through the cracks because I'm trying to, to get, dedicate time uh, and importance to every interaction I have. The most interesting thing that I am anticipating right now is that conventions will probably start up again by the end of the year. And at conventions, the last time we were at conventions, I'd be recognized by two or three people. Uh, and you know we were at about 5,000 followers at the time. Um, by the time the next convention happens, we should be somewhere around 35,000 YouTube followers and then brands in some other areas as well. I'm not quite sure yet how... Because... I remember the last interaction I had was at PAX East. A fan recognized us, uh, and we went out of our way that evening to sit down, teach him root, and play you know play through an entire game. And that was such a good experience. Mm, yeah. I don't I don't know how I can share that experience with hundreds. with yeah with with more. Um, yeah. I don't know about hundreds, but more. And <laughs> and 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 those moments those moments matter not only to me but also to the community and also yeah. to the fan base. And so. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, well, Jesse, there's other there's other plans that we've discussed in terms of how we build community. Sure. Sure. So, so one of the first things that we because we made a decision back, uh, I think it was around December or November, uh, where we've decided that we're going to focus on one thing and one thing only. And that's people. That's community. That is our choice. It's not necessarily going to be just uh, pretty B-roll and high quality. It's going to be the people. And the way that you do that is by identifying pockets of community and then catering or delivering material to those pockets. So, for example, the community around Root, the community around Twilight Imperium, the community around Euros, etc. Once we identify these spaces or stumble, we are into, going, them. Or stumble into them, we are going oh, yeah. to produce <laughs> for these spaces and we are going mm. to give them the material and the content that they crave. Mm. Uh, in addition to that. We're also trying to, once the world opens up and once things are back to normal, probably like in two years, in a year of 1.5 years or whatever. I'm more hopeful um, than Jan is, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the most hopeful person, everybody, just FYI. Um, one thing that we're planning on doing is creating events. And when I say creating events, I mean creating one of a kind special situations that people can be with us in. Some Good or reasonable examples of those would be, of course, things like Gen Con and PAX East, because uh, we'll be at every convention that that happens, you know, moving forward. Uh, we'll rent out a bar and have a Quackalope only or Quackalope and, and Board Game Barbecue or Quackalope and Board Game Co. You know, and we always want to be able to share these events and spaces with as many different content creators and people that are part of our community as we can. I have no greed or jealousy over my fan base. I love my fan base. I hope they discover and find and invest in a lot more people because we have to, to grow. Exactly. Um, but yeah, renting 100%. out a bar... Renting out a bar and hosting and and giving a moment where we can dedicate an evening to just spending time with people is one of those ideas. And then the other idea is a concept of little mini conventions. Uh, so showing up in the Smoky Mountains and doing Quackalope Goes Hiking for a weekend where success is 30 people showing up, helping us rent a cabin. We go out hiking for one day and then we play board games in the evening or yep. You know, going out, uh, going out into, you know, national parks or out in Nevada or a racetrack or any of these other weird little things that you could do. Um, so we've got we've got plans. Yeah, there's I, definitely a lot going on. Yeah. And, and that's awesome. And I think that's what we are trying to hope to do. I think what it comes down to is obviously the community grows. It gets bigger and bigger. I think if you can even just make a memory with one person 
they'll be part of that community forever. It's, and hopefully they can make memories with other people in the community and it grows it's from always, there. It's always only one person. That's the thing. Like if there was one takeaway from this entire conversation and one takeaway from the past two years of, of experience is – so I've, I've got a few core philosophies that I follow. Um, don't be malicious. Don't be a hypocrite. And then my third one that, that is a principle and a staple of how I live my life uh, is if you want to have an impact on the world, it starts and ends with the person in front of you. Uh, and what that means, what, what, what that means to me is that not only the single – not only the first – and, and starting thing that you can do to change the world or have an impact, but also the greatest impact you can have is always identifying that it's just that one person in front of you. Um, mm. yeah. All right. I was just going to, talking about community, we reached out to a few of our um, special Patreon members in the board game barbecue pit, and we had a few questions we wanted to throw at you guys before we move on to the next bit, if that's all right. So one of the guys, Ollie, he wanted to just say, you guys are awesome. And that uh, Jesse... It's not a question, Ollie. It's not a question. <laughs> it's not a question. <laughs> you leave him like- alone. <laughs> <laughs> he said he wanted to... Uh, he just wanted to say that, Jesse, you're like the Bob Ross of board games. <laughs> you're so chill when we're watching your videos. <laughs> and you. he wanted to ask, are Quackalopes real? <laughs> are Quackalopes real? Yes, they absolutely are. So Quackalope is a uh, little known species of duck. Uh, you know, adjacent to the white-tailed deer, they range across the eastern, you know, part of the United States. Uh, jackalopes are actually the liars and abominations that are inspired uh, by the core creature, which is a quackalope. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, they took our mistake. thunder, unfortunately, early on. <laughs> All right. Interesting. Uh, the next one was from Damo. He asked, "Can you send an advanced copy of ISS Vanguard to Sydney? If you do, I'll owe you a high five when I'm stateside again." <laughs> uh, if you can get <laughs> if you can get Marcine to give me permission to send my copy and cover shipping for it, uh, get those two things in the works, and I will I will send my copy to the board game barbecue guys, and then they can go. determine what they want to do with it. There um, you go. <laughs> but I can't I can't send I had someone offer ISS Vanguard's interesting. I had someone privately offer to purchase the prototype oh. copy of ISS Vanguard from me. Uh, I do not think, and just just so Awaken Realms knows, it was never even an entertaining idea. I I don't think I don't think I have the right to hand out something uh, like that without the publisher giving me permission. If if I did, I I absolutely would. Yeah, of course, because yeah. it's mine. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> it's an, it would be an easy fifty five thousand dollars. So you should have taken it. <laughs> if you if you get the yes, I literally will send it to you. There we go. Damo, you heard it. Let's work together and see what we can make happen. <laughs> what a gentleman. What a gentleman. There you go. I think we've got time for maybe I, one more pit question. I yeah. respect the ask. I really do. Hey, it does, never hurts to ask. That's my, he's one of my so, he's a He's a cheeky Sydney guy, so don't worry. They do that, mate. They do that. Yeah, I'll do one more community question before we move on. So uh, we've got Joe. He asked, um, what initially attracted you to Root? And what loves, what do you love about the game? And then second with that, what's your favorite out of all the leader games? So real quickly. Uh, I'll, let Jan, I'll let Jan answer the second. Uh, I'll answer the first. I grew up reading uh, Mossflower. Um, Mossflower, Redwall, little forest creatures that exist in this fantasy world. Uh, and so anything that has a civilization, uh, mice with swords and a full adventure behind it, uh is is a sweet spot for me and if if i ever invent a game or write a zine or create an rpg 
world or existence, it is 100% going to be based off of that core inspiration. Nice. And so for my answer, I can only really answer this with, with a song. Oh. We're the animal folk with the most <laughs> thank you from the company. That's the, uh, that that's the, otters. the otters. Yes, the otters. Yeah. Uh, and for people that are curious about that, that is actual canon in the Quackalope channel. Uh, you're going to have to find it, though. There you go. It's, it's on a video. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, guys, I should have given you, you that so question. <laughs> yeah. You knew it was coming, man. You knew it was coming. Not until you started. <laughs> All right. Now, that'll wrap up that segment, guys. Thank you so much to both of you, Jesse and Jen. Um, thank you so much for that wonderful conversation, as always. Um, you guys are always very entertaining. Um, but we're going to wrap that up and move on to our next segment, which is our sizzling game. I'm excited. So to you guys and to those who don't know, each week our team will choose some sizzling games. What games have we been playing lately? What games have really stood out to us that we want to talk about and share with our uh, with our community? Um, before we start that part, I'm just going to say a quick thank you to Advent Games, who sponsor this segment. Uh, Advent Games have also very graciously uh, giving away a copy of Viscounts. Oh, sorry. How do we say it? Viscounts. I did it. I did it. Damn it. You did Viscounts but again. I typed it properly, knowing I should pronounce it wrong. I should have just typed V I E. I told I, you to type V I E. I, I wanted to tell everyone the way it's read because some people just don't know. I know how it's pronounced. I just want to make sure that everyone knew from both sides. Thank so, you. You actually informed me. <laughs> Advent Games are very graciously giving away a copy of Viscounts of the West Kingdom, which was um, Steve Sizzle a couple episodes ago. So for more on that, jump onto our Facebook community, uh, comment on where that post is, and all you have to do is look at uh, the section of their website, which is uh, coming soon page, and just let us know what game you're looking forward to, which is coming soon. So a very nice and easy way to win a wonderful game. So, moving on from that, I think we're going to kick it over to Jules and find out what's your sizzling game this week. So, for my sizzling game this week, I'm bringing something that is definitely sizzling across the board game community, and that's Dune Imperium. Dune Imperium. Okay. And it's had a lot of hype, and I'm definitely a person that does not buy into hype. I like to judge a game once I've played it. And so, I've managed to play this solo, and I just last night played a four-player game of it. And I think it's a good game. Um, oh. I've never been a big fan of deck builders, and I'll explain my thoughts a little bit why I thought this was just good. Um, but the things I really, really enjoyed about Dune Imperium was for those, how do I explain it? But basically it's a race to 10 victory points to trigger the end of the game, and then there might be a few other cards you get, um, intrigue cards throughout the game that might give you a secret objective to boost you over that line. So it's a race for victory points. Um, basically, what you're doing is you're, you've got a starting deck of 10 cards, and you play a card, and each of those cards have some symbols on it that correspond with locations on the board. So it has different shapes and colors. For example, there's a blue circle and a green pentagon and if you play that card you can go to any of the green or any of the blue spots and you take the action there and that's it it's really straightforward and what's really cool and i think this is the clever part of the game is every card has a few sections so it shows you where you can go 
when you play the card, the top gray area has a bonus effect if you play the card. But once you've done all of your workers and you take your essentially your pass action, all the cards left in your hand in the bottom of the card also have an effect that you get. Um, there can be swords that increase your power in combat and then there's influence that allows you to purchase more cards. I love the tension of choosing how you want to use that card. You might go, I really need to use the symbol to get that action, but I also really need this card because it boosts me three swords and this fight is going to be super tight and it's worth two victory points. There's a really tense decision space on how the cards are used. The thing that... I guess the thing that didn't quite work for me, and a lot of people say it's a deck building worker placement game. I'd say it's more of a deck manipulation game rather than deck building. And the way I, the reason I say that is because there's not actually a lot of actions available to you in the game to fully build a deck. I took a lot of cards that allowed you to scrap cards, but I only ended up discarding four or five in the whole game and purchasing like 10. So it felt like I was just adding more and more, but not actually getting rid of the things I don't need anymore. There wasn't enough opportunity. So it felt like I was manipulating, but I wasn't building, crafting, having full control over what I do and don't want in that deck. And it, and for me, I, I guess I felt like I couldn't really get an engine of sorts going with that deck because there was constantly a few cards like, oh, I just... I don't want that anymore. But if I want to get rid of it, I'm going to have to waste an action to do that. And it doesn't feel optimal to do that because actions are tight in this game. And once someone puts a worker there, it's locked out and you can't go there anymore. So mm. overall, I thought it was I thought it was a good game. I apps I had a fun time. I really enjoyed it. But I don't know. Maybe it's just not a game for me, but I'm keeping it. I do love it. But yeah, there's just something missing for me. I, I don't know what it is. I have to play it some more. But have Jan, Jesse, have you guys played this one, I'm assuming? Oh, yeah. Wow. We covered this on the Quackalo podcast with Jeremy Howard. Oh, yes, you did. That's can right. Can you do our intros, Jan? Because your <laughs> intros are so cool. I'll oh. I'll do mine. I'll do mine for you. I'll do some Elton John impressions and things like that. And then you can just, you can do ours. That'd be amazing. It sounds like a good relationship. I, I have played Dune. I have played Dune Imperium. I, I felt very similar to how you felt. And I do really like deck building games. Um, And I, I don't know that it was entirely not a deck building game. There are some cards. If you try to go down one specific strategy route that allows you to call that deck a little bit more. Um, But for me, it was the, for me, the thing that didn't quite hit the right note was the crunch of resources and how hard mm. it was to do 50% of the actions on the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I liked the concept of it. I liked the theme of it, but it felt very abstracted from, uh, it felt more abstracted from the books uh, yes. or the theming itself than the other two worker placement deck building games uh, that have been introduced, uh, Endless Winter and Lost Ruins of Arnok. Uh, and I... I enjoyed it, but yeah, the same quandary that you have, the like gut hmm. feeling that it wasn't quite right um, yeah. was left with me. So here's the wrench, everyone. Uh, <laughs> I think you're, 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 both, you're both 100% right in what this game is. 
Uh, but I feel this is similar to a game like Rococo, where it's more about act action optimization as you move forward, and it's done through the le- through the function or through the through the physicality of a deck of cards. Really, mm-hmm. uh, 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 one thing that I find is synonymous, at least for my favorite type of deck builder, is that I get a bunch of cards into the deck as as you express, Jules. And here you're getting what, like maybe ten to twelve cards total in the game, just because it's just. There's, it's, a, it's a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, I think this one does end up being more of a worker placement game uh, than, than anything else. And I think, I think that it's, it's fine with for that, right? Mm. Um, that fine the, the, felt uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like, I like doing Imperium. I really do. It's like my favorite thing about doing Imperium is actually the tension that you get from the combat system, which I think is one of the highlights of, of this particular game because the interactivity that's also kind of, it's, it's in your face and also not in your face at the same time is really, really cool. Is it, is it, is it one of those games that, the group almost makes the game a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like the interaction, the interactivity between you During guys. During the battle phase. I don't know. Yeah. So for me, I played it solo first. And then as I said last night, I played it four player. For me, I felt that the playing with people was only marginally better than solo. And I'm Ooh. not a solo gamer. Mm. I found, I found that battle phase of the game so intense and we had so much table trash talk and we were just throwing shade at each other nonstop. Yeah, and I, I, that's where I actually really enjoyed the game because I was a bit so-so on the game because the theme didn't do a lot for me. But that trash talk and that tension at that battle phase at the end, oh, that made it for me. That was what dude, I loved the about secret, the game. Dude, the secret, what are they called? The intrigue cards, yeah, I think it was? Yeah, the intrigues. They make it. That that's the same. That's yeah. the same conceit that you have in the larger yeah. box Dune set, uh, which I really like that they brought into this one. Mm. Perhaps it was it, for me. I'm a very analytical player. I, I like to look at strategy and think of all the possibilities. And I think maybe I thought the battles were good. There were definitely a couple where we didn't know the outcome, but for most of them throughout the game, it was like. Mm, I think I can predict what's happening here. I'm going to step out and I'm not going to try in this one. And there were definitely moments where people were trying to get second place rather than first. They were wanting the second place and choosing where to fall in that rank. And you could do that simply by having the right number of cubes and then don't put any swords in and you'll fall just in the right spot. So I think the battles were very clever, but we definitely didn't have that. Oh man, I thought I was going to win that fight. Like there was none of that. It was like, yep, I predicted you'd win and you did and move on. So that's awesome. Yeah. No, cool beans. Well, thank you very much guys. That was Dune Imperium from Jules. And uh, let's move it on over to Adrian. Adrian, have you been having a bit of a sizzle lately? I have actually. I've had a game that's come back to the table that I've had loads of games that recently I haven't played for a year to six months easily and it's all through my five-year-old son finn he is big into games and he loves playing all types of games but it's quite scary how good he is at some of these games that he shouldn't (laughs) be good at um for example splendor is one of them which essentially has quite a boring theme really like it's some mines and you collect some tokens and that's kind of some cards and that's really it for a five-year-old there's not much appeal but he loves that game 
He absolutely adores it. And I sizzled it last week all through his eyes because for him, it's a big kid's game. It's an adult's game. Like he's getting to play it. And he played it at a game day that we went to with three other adults and he came second. So, Whoa, you know, man. he's, he's, yeah. Well, this week we have been playing Horrified. Ah. The, 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 the co-op aspect is great because we already completed zombie kids and we we're halfway through zombie teens. So he's loving all of that. Um, but the fact that we get to start the game and he gets to look at the monsters and go, I want to fight the creature from the black lagoon and the werewolf, you know, like he goes on oh, the next time. It's like, we're taking on Dracula and Frankenstein. Like he gets to pick that. So before you, before you even play the game, there's excitement in the setup for him. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's everyone knows how horrified works. It's a cooperative game. You're trying to take on these asymmetrical boss monsters while saving villages and collecting different parts and different tokens around the map. But yeah, it's just going to be a short one for me today because we've already spoken about this game at great length. But it's just nice to see that that can transfer to a five year old, like, and not not hand holding him just I've, being able to do it himself so see i've never played it and i've always been intimidated <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's oh yeah yeah it's it's good man like you should play it like finn can teach you uh, yeah finn will teach you no worries when you come to uh, board game barbecue con i'll make sure that happens for you don't worry i'll set you up but the, another thing as well that i've really liked about it is someone in our facebook community has made their own version called yeah petrified or terrified i think it was terrified terrified Terrified. and they've got freddy krueger leatherface johnson chucky all in this game and they've made their own asymmetrical like player boards like they have different ways to take on the different bosses and from what i hear they're going to do another one which is all like um the exorcist uh poltergeist all these different ghosts and it's going to be a ghost version so somebody publish these guys come on i said like get onto this quick because it's amazing what a great idea sounds fantastic that's That's it horrified great game it's hard from Adrian. Very cool, very cool. Um, I'll throw mine in quick. I'll leave the boys the best to last today, I reckon. Um, mine will be a quick one too. I've um I love some two-player games and I love something with some great theme. And I had a good friend of mine who's been asking to the game to get a game over to my place to play for a while, and I fell in love. And that's Raptor. Oh yeah. So, Whoa, yeah, I haven't heard of that one in a while. Oh, it blew my mind. It was fantastic. And I see Jesse shaking his head. Maybe he does, <laughs> like, hasn't what? seen it. I don't so, know what it is. You'll very oh, quickly oh. come to learn I don't actually know or play board that's games. That's cool. Oh, okay, that's what <laughs> I thought cool. it was. Yeah. So I'll run through real quick. Say you so, don't yeah. like games. <laughs> also that. <laughs> it's it's a two player game um with asymmetrical powers. So it's a little um a uh, modular board that you can set up in just different sort of ways just to change it up a little bit. It's just basically a big grid with a few trees in between to block some paths. So one person is playing a group of scientists that want to uh, steal some baby raptors. Um, and the other team are the raptors, which are five babies, and the mama raptor. And mama raptor don't want her babies getting stolen. So basically, mm -mm, nope, not (laughs) happening. So it's basically where 
you're sort of going backwards and forwards, almost chess-like, and just trying to play off each other's powers. So the the scientists start with four scientists on the board, but they can draw a card that lets um, them bring more and more scientists on, which means Mama Raptor has a lot more work to do to try to protect the babies. And the Mama Raptor, if she loses the baby, she doesn't get any more back. But where, where the beauty and the asymmetrical powers are really shine is... The Mother Raptor can move in a straight line for one action as much as she wants, whereas the scientist can only move one space at a time. The Mother Raptor just wants to stop her babies getting stolen. If she can take three babies off the board by moving them one space at a time away, um, if she saves three babies, she instantly wins. Um, but if she can pick off and kill every one of the scientists currently on the board, she also wins. Mm. Whereas the scientists... They can only do one attack action in one turn. And an attack action is either shooting Mama Raptor, which slows her down. It's either um, putting a baby to sleep, which they can only do adjacent. But once a baby's asleep, they can take the baby. But that's two different turns. So they can put the baby to sleep in one turn, but it takes a turn for them to pick it up and take one as one of their trophies, try to get to three. But how the game actually plays with a deck of cards. So you have a deck of cards, one to nine. You shuffle your deck and you pull out three at a time. Then you always have three cards. And the cards are numbered one to nine. But each card has a special ability. How it works, and I'll try to make it quick and sweet, is that if you pull, if I pull out a five and you pull out an eight, there's a difference of three between five and eight. So the person that pulled out the eight has three actions. Okay, uh-huh. so they can move, attack, do what they need to do. The person with the lower card can actually use a special ability. So the special bit on the higher card doesn't get used. They only get actions, but the lower ability has a special ability. So for the mother Raptor, take mama Raptor off the board and then jump back wherever you want. They can't get you because they can't see you. Mm. Um, There's stuff like putting multiple babies to sleep for the scientists or um, calling your babies as a mother Raptor to come near you and try to gather them into one spot. It's really, really interesting. So you get that like a bit of showdown. So you both look at each other in the eye and choose your card and put it down at the same time. And and it's really got that sort of showdown aspect to it where you're looking at each other going, bang, that's what I'm doing. And if you put the same number, you cancel each other out, which is sometimes an amazing tactic. If you think they have a certain number, you can try to cancel out their action. And oh, it's just great. It plays in like 15, 20 minutes. And so you can do a bit of like, oh, you know, that? best of three. Yeah, yeah, you can you can do a bit of a best out of three and play a few games in an hour and just the tension and the card play and just trying to see, okay, well, I want to put down this lower card because I really want this ability, but they put down a lower card again, which cancels it. It's just, you never know which way it's going to go. And it's just as fun playing either side, the Raptor or the Scientist. So that's my sizzle today, which is Raptor. I highly recommend you try out this two-player game. So, Jesse, uh, channel 40, coverage Jen, at some point? 48 or, hours, uh, Jen. You're not allowed to order something <laughs> for 48 hours. Did, did you hear Mike? Come on, man. <laughs> we have a rule for the reason. By the way, if, you, if you're if you into both horror and two-player games, I have a really weird one for you. That I, Good luck finding it. It's called Ferox. Uh, it's an asymmetric card drafting game where a crew uh, basically was stranded on a cannibal island and they have to fight to survive. Whoa. And it's oh, yeah. it's it's cool. it's the native it's the natives against this these crewmen and mm. it's a bloody mess. It's really cool. That sounds wow. amazing. Okay. Nice. Is that Fantastic. Yeah, is that your no. sizzle? Like, what's going that, on? Oh, no, 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 that was well, just a suggestion. Case, <laughs> Jen, Jen, what is your sizzle, my friend? What's your sizzle? <laughs> 
I, I've been flip-flopping a little bit with this, trying to figure out, but because the sizzle says that I have to bring a game that I've been playing recently, not a game that I've been thinking of, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring in, and, and, and this might be cheating. I'm sorry if I'm cheating. I'll tell Crash you. Octopus by You're cheating Games. Oh. Am I cheating? <laughs> no, no, not at all. If you've been playing it and you've been loving it, it, it it's are you saying are you saying cheating because it was like an online thing, Jesse? Or no, just just because uh, it's not out. It's, it's not out. It's 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 a it's a prototype that he has, uh, yep. and it is uh, it is a dexterity game that has a lot of stuff going for it, but it is on the very edge of a game. Uh, uh, well, uh, 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 what? Okay, it can use you. It's a game. Well, let's, <laughs> it's a game. Let's, see, let's see if the sizzle can uh, convince us otherwise. Let's uh, give it to Jan. See if it's a sizzle or a fizzle. Uh, what's what's? Oh, I'm trying to think of that. My favorite snack, my favorite Japanese snack that involves octopus and pancakes, and I can't remember what it is. Okay, Somebody in the comments will. Yes, if you've ever tried, it's a, how is it? Tomoyaki. Uh, okonomiyaki or something like that. I've probably yeah, butchered yeah. it. If if you ever try that, Jesse, that's what this game it's is. Very, it is a mm. it is a delectable and super compact experience uh, with a lot of fun and 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 just creativity to the way that it's done. So, one thing that I always appreciate in any game is innovation or just a, a different way of approaching something. And the way that this game has dealt with setup to me is absolutely mind-blowing all you do is that you put this big circle in the center of the board you grab all the pieces and you let them go on top of the circle and that's it you're done you're ready to start playing that's cool (laughs) Uh, and the way the way that the game works is really straightforward but it feels it feels like you have agency because it's a dexterity game where people are going up against each other but you uh, but ah what would be the term but not directly so what you do is that you're trying to collect all these pieces that you drop from from the top you're trying to collect them onto your boat so it becomes both a balancing game and a dexterity game. The balancing comes from every time that you get a piece on your boat, you put it on top, and then when another piece comes by, you have to put it on top as well. And then on top and top and top, you have to get all those things to just stay exactly where they are before things can come crashing down. The dexterity element comes in that the way that you get those pieces onto your ship is by knocking them to your ship. So that means that if you're knocking a little cube and you had four logs on top of it, don't do it too hard or guess right. what's going to happen. They're all going to fall down like the London Tower. And it's horrible. You know, like you have to be very careful. And here's where it starts getting really interesting. As the name suggests, there's an octopus. And not just any octopus, not a, 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 like, a, like a tasty octopus like we said. It's a gigantic kraken-like thing that is just escaping from the table. And that's one of the coolest things about this game. The, the visual appeal of it is just so neat. It looks like there's a little thing just crawling like swimming around the surface of whatever whatever wherever you're playing and that thing is not stagnant it is actually moving every certain amount of turns players are going to be dropping a dice and they're not just dropping the dice anywhere they want they are trying to aim towards another boat (laughs) right that's fantastic to flick then you go like and the other player goes like oh no you've sunk my ship and that is the entire game back and forth all the time and there's all this it's it's a race game because it's whoever gets it first wins the game whoever gets as many like four pieces five pieces whatever Mm. man it is such a good time and when you when you come into this with like this wacky demeanor of, of just like i'm gonna sink your 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 treasure ship dude and oh and just go through all these different 
examples of play and play and excitement. Oh man, it is just a great, great time. It is actually one of the better or one of the best dexterity games that I played in such a compact little box. And that's why you're wrong, Jesse. Oh, is, no, it, no. is it Japanese made? Is it like a Japanese? It yes. Yeah. Wait, okay, so one yeah. thing that we're doing on the channel is that we're trying to expand the borders uh, and mm. try to get international titles into the yeah. channel as and much as we can. International titles are weird, right? It's not necessarily designed or produced or created by international players because even then, a lot of those, like a lot of those internationally designed games, still make it into the state market, uh, yeah. and that's the experience that we have, right? We're based out of the states. What we're looking for is international games that are international to our marketplace, yeah. which also usually includes being designed or created and published by other, you know, other regions and other countries, but also they don't exist in our space as often. Analog, Lunchbox, and Oink Games, mm-hmm. I'm coming for you. We will yeah. be friends and we will collaborate. You hear and me? You- Someone translate that, please. <laughs> we have a um, we have a, uh, a an Australian, I believe, citizen or residence that lives in Tokyo. Ah, yes. And she's yeah. called Miss Merck, Miss and Merck. she does a yeah. lot of promotional stuff for Japanese really? games. Yeah, yeah. Really well. we, yeah, and I've I've backed a few of them on Kickstarter. They're all made in Japan. She does like highlights of Japanese yeah. indie games on yeah. Kickstarter? And Very good. So yeah. cool. Gives a summary of them. It's oh. really good. And, Oh and what, what was that game? What was that game called again, Jan? Which one, Ferox or Crash Octopus? No. Crash, Crash Octopus. Octopus. And do yeah, we know when Crash, Crash Octopus can get into our sticky little hands? Do we know when so we're expecting that? It was on <laughs> Kickstarter around September of this last year, uh, and we were able to because it was international shipping. It took us longer to get a prototype in, which is what Jan's yeah. playing with. Uh, Jan, when is the published date for it? Like, when is the available I, I for the market? It's going to be at the end of the year. They have everything ready to go. Like okay. the rules. They're just translating the pieces are they they added just manufacturing and everything Mm. Uh, well in process they they had to uh, maneuver a few things here and there because they wanted to be sure that this was safe for kids Uh, and there was one particular piece that could have been a a hazard at some point but they fix everything and I hope that it'll be here by the end of by the end of the year. Cool. That's awesome. It's that a really awesome. good one. Seriously, you guys should check it that out. It's, it's yeah, really fun. Pre-orders Octopus. may be open. Might be worth checking out. Yeah. Ah, really cool. Crash Octopus. Sounds great, guys. And I just want to say, no one else can see this because we're not video recording this today, but I think me and Jan can compete for veracity and hand movements as we talk. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think if we went through some Kung Fu together, I think we yeah. really have a going. It's Dude, great. That's great. how we do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> our hands, with our bodies. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. I love it, man. And Jesse, what sizzle? are you bringing to the barbecue today so i think i'm bringing in uh the only kickstarter or current kickstarter game uh from all of us uh this game is going to be available for another i believe 14 days so i don't know when your when your podcast actually goes up in reference to us recording tomorrow tomorrow great so this is going to be available for another like 13 days i was really worried you were going to say a month and a half and i was going to be like that's not going to work we we did two Uh, a week my friend (laughs) and and remember remember when i said earlier in the show that i have a sweet spot for indie publishers indie designers Mm -hmm. uh this is going to be that this game currently is standing at about 300 backers on kickstarter they have hit their successful goal uh and i am now doing everything I can to highlight and talk about and share this game because I played it three times uh, with the designer and his brother. 
um, and had such a good time that has left me wanting to get it back to the table, even right now as we're sitting here talking. This is going to be a game called Badland Wolves, and I actually have the box that I can uh, oh, show I've the audience here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is fully designed and illustrated uh, by a single individual. Uh, his name is Daniel Gorash. Uh, he is a Ukrainian designer who actually lives here. Uh, his family are, are first generation. So he's a first generation immigrant um, here to to the States and lives in Kentucky. Uh, this game is a game where you're doing your very best to establish the pecking order in a pack of wolves where the highest wolf, the alpha, uh, has has passed away. And so the family is now squabbling between each other, doing your very best to nip at the heels, go on hunts and establish dominance. The way that you do that is going to be cycling through two core decks of cards. One deck of cards is going to be a hunt deck where you'll encounter things like grizzly bears, rattlesnakes, uh, white-tailed deer, foxes, ferrets, and even a jackalope. Uh, it's the only mythological creature in there, and I'm hoping for a promo card that includes a quackalope at some point. <laughs> uh, those, those decks of cards will allow you to pull resources from and gather cards from the second deck of cards, which is going to be the scrap pile. The scrap pile is going to be the unused bones and feathers that maybe didn't get digested that are stored around the camp, and they're also going to be fighting cards and fighting mechanics, allowing you to nip at each other, fight, engage in combat or play, uh, and add defensive cards uh, you know, into that turn sequence. The core crux of this game is that each of you have five resource tokens or five loyalty tokens that are your color specifically. And throughout the course of the game, you're doing your very best to position, put at risk, and then gather or, or pull other players' resource tokens. How do you do that? Well, when you go on a hunt, there's always going to be a pack leader for the moment. Everyone that wants to join in on that hunt to either reap the rewards or potentially have the uh, the negative side effects of that experience will put in one of the tokens available to them. Uh, depending on what card is pulled, those tokens could be switched, someone could steal one, or you could just get some scrap cards and they could all come back to you. Uh, then, with the fighting, if you decide to, instead of going on a hunt, engage with another player, you're doing so in an attempt to steal one of their loyalty tokens from them. The dynamic of this game and the, the way this game starts to shine is the fact that your little pool of resource tokens, whether they're your own personal color or any other player's colors, can be used at any moment of the game for an action. And so you could attack another wolf to gain another wolf's resource token. You could use another wolf's resource token to go on a hunt, putting it at risk instead of your own. And this interplay, this balance, this alpha mentality, this dance between players trying to negotiate what they're willing to put at risk when they want to extend themselves and maybe uh, you know get that extra scrap they need to finish a matching set and steal a resource token from another player or reading the other player's hand to try to determine is now the time that I fight or do I let an entire second round pass by before I try to kind of take you to terms. Uh, it is a lightweight, quick playing uh, three to five player game that feels like a social deduction game without really any social deduction elements to it. And I cannot speak highly enough for this. Now, please remember, I am biased for indie publishers. I love the fact that this is a single creator, a single artist who's made something that I genuinely think is beautiful. Uh, but you better believe on my channel and right now on your podcast, I'm going to tell everyone I can. I really like this mm -hmm. game. I am sad I have to send the prototype off and I can't wait to show it to more people in person. That sounds incredible. Uh, this weird thing happened as you were talking. This 
pop-up showed up on my phone oh, wow. saying thank you for backing <laughs> thank, thank you for backing Badland Wolves. I, yes, I'm not I, the I, only one so strange on the show. I, it's it's strange. Yes. How, how did you do that, Jesse? That was That's weird. That man. Like, <laughs> hypnotic power, this, man. That's a hypnotic weird? power, dude. Dude, like, oh, I don't know how you did that, man, but that's so cool. Wow, that's Money, we that need to be like friends, dude. I do the exact same thing on our show where I either buy or back a thing as these two convince me. I've so, been on the podcast for never buying new games. That's, that's, I never buy new games. Like, it's a weird thing. I just, it's, it's, um, it's a strange one. But, so Jen, um, one of the advantages here is we don't have a 48 hour rule. So if you, <gasps> if you slide on into our group, it's free so it's so now it's a four-person podcast great well jesse you know you can run things on your side i guess good luck can buddy. i say good though you, can i say that when my phone accidentally backed this game it was 30 us <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not even expensive not expensive no, it's 30 it's us pricing. with 18 bucks postage to australia so all up in us dollars it's like 600 dollars. but um <laughs> No, it's it's cheap and affordable, and it sounds incredible. So I'm looking well, forward to playing that. Man. And let me let me just because no one else can see this, but you can see the artwork on the on the actual Ooh. campaign page. Yeah. I love the minimalist. Um, yeah. But the, cool. the art, it's the production, cool. the style, all of this is just so nice. It's so nice. That's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. I love it. So what and was the was... name again? Uh, Badland Wolves. Badland Wolves. There we go. Check it out, people. Yeah. Get on to it, folks. Get on to it. Guys, thank you for an amazing sizzle segment. That was a lot of fun. Um, now, because we're having such a great time, we're running a little short on time, so I'm going to really quickly touch on something, but we're not going to de- uh, dive too deep into it. And that's a new segment we've been doing uh, called the um, the Mechanics Meat Tray. I uh, just want to remind everyone to jump on our Facebook and check it out. We're basically talking about some of our favorite mechanics in games and what games are sort of standing out to that. And there's a bit of a voting section. Just to touch on it really quickly, at the moment in the lead, we have Arkham Horror LCG at number one. We've got June Imperium at number two and Aeon's End at number three. So if you want to support your favorite sort of um, game in that sort of segment, man, jump on, jump into our Facebook community, uh, lodge your vote. A real quick question, boys. We'll wrap it up real quick. What would be your number one vote for the mechanics meet tray for a uh, a, a a deck builder game? Sorry, a deck builder. Oh my gosh, Jan! <laughs> does it the, do the, does it have to be these three? No, 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 no. You, no, no, no. What, what, would be, what, what, what game would get your number one what are vote you, at the moment? Yeah, what merchants or Millennium Blades? We're going to turn. Oh, yep. Good work. I like it. And Jesse, we're going to turn a little sand timer now. Uh, yeah, if he's, if he's, sorry, if he's already said Dale of Merchants, which is one of our go-to, it's going to have to be Rococo, which is something that he just experienced oh, with me, and it's beautiful. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Thank sand you very much, timer, boys. who's next? Jules, Adrian? <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I have to say, I really have enjoyed Aeon's End, and I've come really late to the party on that. And it's because me and my partner came from a background of just purely co-op games. We never played competitive games. And then we got into competitive games. And then playing this has taken us back to our roots of playing co-op again. And it's been a really nice, refreshing game to play. And we don't play any deck builders. This is the only deck builder we've played. So for me, I'm enjoying it. So therefore, I'm going to vote for that. Well, for me, my number one, we actually, we mashed together deck building and deck uh, construction into the one into the one uh, topic, I guess. For me, I have to go back to my early gaming roots, and I'll say Magic the Gathering. I, Magic the wow. Gathering? Yeah. Very cool. I, I was, wow. I was big time answer. into that. 
Yeah, so I, I've never really had a, a deck building board game that has really grabbed me yet. I, like I said, I enjoyed Dune, but I think Jan was right that the worker placement's stronger in there than the deck building element. But for me, Magic the Gathering. Sky tier. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just just I couldn't that. hold myself. Yeah. <laughs> So don't forget, guys, jump over to our Facebook community and lodge your vote for your favorite deck building game. Uh, so that brings us to our next segment, which is the Odes. So just before we get started on the Odes, we just want to send a big shout out and a big thank you to our uh, sponsor for this segment, which is 2D6 Games up in Brisbane. Thank you guys for your support. Um, we're going to jump into it. So for those who don't know, I think we mentioned it earlier maybe, on this show we like to swear an oath. That oath might be playing a game from our shelf of shame, teaching a new player a game, trying to beat a certain <laughs> score or hit a certain score, which is sometimes easier than it se- uh, harder than it sounds. Sorry. Are all um, of those games your shelf of shame, Jan? Because that is a shelf of shame and a half. That's beautiful. That's like a room of shame. I think me and Jen should be friends because yeah. it sounds like we have a lot in common. Yes, yes. yes. I think Mike's only it's played on. one of the games behind him. Yeah, literally. I, just, just we, we, we can spend half an hour. We, Jen and I can spend half an hour just waving at each other, yelling games we haven't played yet. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> sounds like an amazing episode. I don't know. That sounds like I'm a podcast, to be honest. Like I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> so um let's start this one the other way actually no no we should probably should let the boys think for a moment what games they're going to swear an oath to let's jump over to adrian adrian have you fulfilled your oath i have had a long running oath that i used yes. to give up on jules is happy because he knows i actually man i managed to do it because oh. i was obsessed with pipeline like I was obsessed with Pipeline. I think that game is a great Euro game. The puzzle within the puzzle with the pipes and the different upgrades and player powers. And I somehow heard that Ryan Courtney managed to get two and a half thousand points, uh, two and a thousand dollars. Yes, he did. You swore a point oath. He did. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did Pipeline. you? Yeah, yeah. That but is I'm so not, hardcore, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy enough to be two and a half thousand. Okay, I, I, my oh. best score on the game at the time was eight hundred and fifty. So I wanted to get fifteen hundred. That yeah. was my goal. Fifteen hundred dollars. You did it. And I got eighteen hundred. Good for you. Good for <laughs> hell. Yeah, <laughs> boy. You euros with now, you apparently. Now you did say before Jesse about some fatigue and stuff. I'm not kidding. There was a day when me and my partner were up at six a.m. and we played five games in a row. And on the last game, I had my head on the table and I said to her please don't ever let me do this again this is crazy <laughs> and i i had to leave it i had that was the only time that i'd left it for maybe two or three days and i came back to it and when i came back to it on the that that time i smashed it and i was so good chuffed. for you that's so, so cool yeah did and you it, break the game like or do you even want to play it anymore yeah Jesus i actually was theming. really enjoy it i actually really enjoy it as a euro game i enjoy the, the the mechanics and the way it works and that you don't block each other on your locations and there's so many things that i like about that game i'm really looking forward to the expansion that's coming out mm, which yes is incredible um we and had Ryan Courtney. Games is amazing Oh no, then they they do some great stuff. And we we actually had Ryan on the show a couple of weeks ago and it's kind of funny because I wasn't on that episode, but they all laughed at me trying to attempt this crazy oath. And I I, I came back on the show the next week and I was like, I all heard you laughing at me. I'm not giving up. I will do this. 
And I did it the following week. So I was so happy with myself. And um, yeah, hashtag oh fulfilled done. So. Good work, buddy. We're proud of you at the barbecue, man. Good and, work, um, good work. Yeah. So my next oath, I did reference Jesse that before we started that he might know this oath, mm-hmm. which is shocking to him because he's like, I have no way. I've got no clue what this guy is on about. But I attended QuackCon. And I taught five games of It's a Wonderful World to strangers. And during that convention, I entered one of the contests, one of the the competitions. And I actually won a copy of Sorcerer's Seed. And uh, me and my partner are going to unbox this and we're going to play it probably next week. And I'll give you guys some feedback on how we get on. So... Yeah, thanks for that, dude. I really appreciate it. That was a now, great con. Met some really cool people. So That's going to be an interesting title for you, and I'm going to have to double back and make sure I listen to that episode because here's the thing. That is a tile deck-building game. Mm. It's a yeah, tile-placement okay. deck-building game. Yeah, I'm okay. not sure if it'll be the right fit for you, but if you approach it with the right mindset, it is crazy. It is uh, chaotic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm have, really intrigued. I'm not, a, I'm not a very good critic, if I'm honest, because I just love everything. So <laughs> I will probably love this. Well, this probably become only, my next favorite game. My, so. my, only, my only thumb on it is just you all haven't played a ton of deck building games, it seems. And for Jan and I, that's one of our favorite mechanics. And so I'm yeah, really interested. Stuff. I'm really intrigued to see how you get on with that one. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I'm, I'm sure that if it's a deck builder, my partner will love it because it's like Aeon's End is now the go-to game and it's like, we're early risers, man. I'm That's not awesome. having a kid. Six, That's six awesome. o'clock on a Sunday morning, it's coffee and Aeon's End. So, oh my God, sounds yeah. like a perfect life. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, you guys are going to have a perfect life together soon, I hear anyway. Because there's Thank a, you. some moving in capability going to be happening possibly. So We're going to you know. be roommates. Yeah, it's gonna be like a sitcom. We're gonna do uh, we're gonna do a behind the scenes vlog series on our Patreon. Jan doesn't uh, know yeah, this 100%. yet. Uh, are we gonna have like secret cams everywhere that people can just jump I'm, to at all times? I'm like, gonna look at us like a ducklings and stuff. If you don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna film a video of myself cooking you breakfast in bed, you're wrong. Yeah, it's gonna be it'll be like one division. Like it will be like one division. It'll be like you'll do the '50s style and you'll move through the decades. <laughs> I just want to see the apron awesome. with little duckies on it. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> Duck apron. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, what <laughs> oh, was your? Yeah. So what, what, what's going to be? Right it's just going to be to play Sorcerer City and give it a Sorcerer good City. go. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jules. Yeah. How'd you go? It's been a while since I've been on the podcast, so my oath's going back a fair way. But mine was to play a copy of a game I finally got that I'm a massive fan of. I played tons of it on TTS, and that's a War of Whispers. So. I am a huge fan of the game. I played it probably, yeah, probably the day after I recorded the last episode. So that is hashtag Oath Fulfilled. I love this game so much. I've I've talked about it a ton. It's just beautiful. I love the collector's edition with all the miniatures. I'm going to paint them all so it looks even more thematic and beautiful. It's just a stunning game. It plays so quickly. It it's. You can mess with people and get inside their heads. It's just stunning. I I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know what else to say about it, but I hope if you guys have not played a War of Whispers. I'll I'll tell you this. Badland Wolves, I sent the designers home with my copy of A War of Whispers because I thought they would love it because so much of that core feeling is emphasized in both of those games. So they left me a prototype and I gifted them that copy. Wait, wait, what's that sound? Is that another person backing? Yeah, yeah. Badlands Wolves right now on the podcast. 
<laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, so that that was my oath, a War of Whispers, playing my physical copy of it, and that's done. So uh, for my next oath, I, I'm only recording in a week's time, so I'm, I want to make sure I get it done before I'm on the next podcast. What I'm going to do... We've had some failures, Jesse. We've had people that are just stinkers. I I just heard about your extended oath. (laughs) Oh, yeah, true. (laughs) So my next oath is going to be to play the solo, uh, I guess, solo mode for Vindication. Vindication is my favorite game of all time. I've played it a lot, but never the solo mode. And there's actually sort of two scenarios in there from what, if I'm understanding it correctly. So... I, Jules Watson, swear by the time I'm next on the podcast, I will have played Vindication's solo mode. That sounds amazing. I'm looking forward to hearing how that works. It sounds Mm. very interesting. So I'm looking forward to seeing what sort of mechanics they use in that and how it changes the game up a little bit. Mm. It's going to be very interesting. Very cool. Um, I'll breeze through mine nice and quick. Uh, Uh Uh-oh. This is a fail. This is a fail coming. Usually so you just I'm, want to go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I'm cutting out. Um, so my my oath was hate. Um, oh which my! Is poke, come poke, on. Poke, I know, Jewel, and Jewel's gonna be so upset because he's just been dying to hear about it. The stars haven't lined up for me for a time mm. to play. When I've been ready, others haven't really been ready, and vice versa. It just hasn't lined up. I've pulled it out. I've looked at the rule book. Uh, it's actually one thing that I have to say. Looking at it. It's not as intimidating as I thought it was going to be. I've had it on the shelf of shame for a long time, thinking it was going to be difficult to play. It's a big box. It's a very angry box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, very intimidating. Okay. It just looks at yeah. you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it hasn't happened yet. I have um, started getting it ready, but I, I promise by the time I'm, I'm on next, we've just hit a five-day lockdown in Melbourne again, so mm. I'm going to have a bit of spare time on my hands, so I don't have any excuses. And so I'm going to double down. I'm going to double down and chuck two rows now. Oh, okay. Um, so I've been talking about this game for a while, ever since I got it recently. It's a recent purchase, but because of you guys, I am just, it's just amping up and I'm dying to play it. And I'm going to crack open Aeon's End Legacy. I'm going to get at least oh, one or two scenarios to play. And Aeon's End? Yeah, man, I'm Whoa. doubling down. I'm going to do it properly. <laughs> so so I have a question for you guys. What happens when you don't fulfill a loaf? Like, what's the penalty? Shame. Yeah, shame. Shame, man. Shame. Just shame, man. Just shame. a lot of punishment ideas. There's been talk of we'll pick a game and they must play it or uh, they have to give away the game if they just don't fulfill the oh, oath. Oh, that's cruel. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, I don't know. That hurts. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still keen to make Mitch play Twister solo. That's my, uh, <laughs> that's my punishment for Mitch. He'll play, because he's a solo gamer in our group. I just want to watch the video of him playing Twister on his own. <laughs> I still like the idea of somebody choosing two of your games and emptying both boxes and mixing the pieces and having to sort them back out oh, again because that, yeah. that's, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's painful one. to me that's painful, <laughs> that's painful. By it that. would never <laughs> neither game would ever be restored to its rightful form no, no. Um, Jesse me, for so. us Vegemite what do you think Vegemite yeah. I've heard I've heard great things about Vegemite a nice spoonful right? of it if we don't fulfill yeah. our oath yeah. you've heard yeah. lies my friend lies <laughs> 
All right, let, let's switch it over to Jan. Jan, would you like to spare an oath? Now, understanding you're not going to be on the podcast again anytime soon that we're planning on. They're not but, inviting um, you back. We, oh, I, I, I you're, going, you're, you're going to be welcome back, but because we won't see you soon and we want to see you complete your oath, uh, you and Jesse, if you guys can maybe just post it somewhere, tag us and tag um, hashtag oath fulfilled, it'll be amazing. Do you want to swear an oath? <sighs> Look at the pressure. Look at the pressure on his eyes. <laughs> I solemnly swear that I will play Feast for Odin for the first Ooh, time. Good stuff. That's a great yes, one. Yes. You had that on that, that that on your shelf for a while too. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. It's a deep cut. Put you over the edge. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of that because that's a great game. I've that's played so it good. once, I think, but a worker placement with 66 worker placement spaces and poly. Oh, can I take oh. it back? No, <laughs> no, no, you're locked in. <laughs> you're no, your heart. This, oh. this is legally binding. You put your arm up and everything, mate. Like, I did come put on. it in my heart too. Like, everybody, yeah, everybody did. saw you it. Did. It's too late. Oh, no. A feast the, for Odin. The great good news Odin, is, Jan, I, Dan, and Mark the very first time us that that core game group got together which is some of our dc friends that jan and i are both good friends with the very first game we ever played together was we drank mead and played a feast for odin a feast for odin a feast for odin is the is one of the first uh worker placement games that i've ever had where we all stood in silence for an hour and a half around the table out of our chairs and all of us had such an amazing time that's cool Okay, maybe I'm not taking it back. Jesse, <laughs> what about you? Yeah, mate. What yeah. you got for us? I've, I've been thinking through this. I got a lot of games on my shelf of shame. I got a lot of things I'd like to do. But I have one thing that uh, I've brought up on the channel a few times. I've brought up on the Patreon a few times. And I, I just haven't ever pushed myself to do it. It's Going not, back to the Appalachian Trail? No, it's not. Well, ah. that, that would be a good oath. But that would probably nullify Quackalope for a solid six months. Uh, <laughs> So I, for the longest time, uh, have been meaning to get back into miniature painting. Uh, when I got into Kingdom Death, it was one of the very first things that I discovered. I love the process of being, you know, the meditative process of sitting down, painting, taking a moment to just listen to music and, and express myself in that way. Uh, and I just haven't found the time to build or paint or get everything out and set up. And so I've also been very very much meaning to do either a patreon video or a main channel video with miniature painting and so so here's the oath that i will swear uh i swear i will not only paint a miniature but i will also produce a video for the patreon if that video is well received i will then produce a video for the main channel around miniature painting something that i've been meaning to do for a long time and whenever we succeed i'll post pictures up on the board game barbecue you know facebook and discord and shout about doing it he's actually surprisingly good by the way yeah Yeah, jules is as well jules is good at minis i'm terrible yeah i i (laughs) i was into warhammer a long time ago did tons and tons of painting i eventually gave up that hobby just not enough time too expensive but I've been getting a lot of games with miniatures. As you can see, there's Anachrony behind me, Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. And I've got a lot more coming, like Hell of the Last Saga and Nemesis and all that stuff. Super oh. fancy. <laughs> and I've, been, I've just started painting the statues for Super Fantasy Brawl, and it's great. Ah. Yeah, oh, those must look amazing. There's so many things that I want to paint, and I haven't picked out what I'm going to yet. But I also forgot to add, and I just want to mention... 
I really like the atmosphere of this this swearing an oath and bringing it back to the table. And the thing I like the most about it, the thing that I was like getting excited about, was the opportunity for someone to complete an oath and then have a room full of people go, "Good for you. We're proud yeah, of you. Exactly. Like that's amazing." Yeah. So like it's just really just cool. the the setting that you have here, I love that encouragement. Yeah, thanks, man. We, um, we actually have a Discord, Jesse. Yeah. yeah, well done, Mike. <laughs> we have we have a, a segment in our Discord where our listeners and yeah, we have a swear no swear no segment, and in Discord, people swear their oaths in there, then they post them up on the Facebook, and it's been really really popular. So. People only need people only need such a small amount of encouragement. That's right. It's remarkable, and so I love that you have a segment that is designed around the opportunity to say, "Good job." Exactly. Man, it has to be normalized. We need to do that more often. Tell yeah. people how awesome they are as often as you can, please. Exactly. For sure. That's amazing. Look, guys, that's going to start wrapping us up for today. Before I go on my last spiel, I just want to say a huge heartfelt thank you to all you guys, to Jesse and Jan from Quackalope. Thank you so much for coming on today, guys. It's quack, been quack, an absolutely quack, quack. amazing quack. chat. Quack, quack to you. Um, it's been awesome. I've been loving this. The energy's been fantastic, and I hope we can do it again in the near future. Yeah, um, Adrian, Jules, thank you, gentlemen, for coming on today and being a part of See this you, as Mike. well. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, guys. Amazing. guys. Um, before we cut it off, guys, do you have anything last you want to plug that you want to mention where people can find you? Uh, yeah, you guys are coming onto our podcast, right? That's that's uh, we're, I'm we're down. just gonna jump into yeah, that yeah. right now, right? Yeah, okay, man, please. Okay. I'm holding so, it, right? I want to be on there. Pending, we should do I it. Guess? We could do it like Back to the Future. <laughs> we just record all of them in one big go, <laughs> like the whole lot. So, so I'll plug this on Jan's behalf because Jan really does, and you guys know how it is when you're, you know, putting in the time to to edit, record, schedule guests, all of that. Mm-hmm. Jan, over the past six months or so, has been running the Quackaloop podcast with two core segments. Played it once, where we talk uh, over a game that we've just had our first experience of, oftentimes with designers and other guest stars on, uh, and then the weekly Quack, where we do a deep dive into what's happening around the board game pond, from new Kickstarters to games that are either leaving or getting onto our shelf. Uh, and he really. Does does do such a fantastic job so if anyone wants another conversation or community around board games swing over there and genuinely that right there because he's in charge was an honest to goodness invitation over onto our show oh no 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 i'm serious like consider this a second oh for me like double double down (laughs) i will get you guys up in my podcast no matter what this guy's Absolutely. hardcore. He's doubling down on his first oath. What a legend. <laughs> but hardcore, my friend. Hardcore. It's kind of it's kind of funny how you guys are all around. Like you have the the kind of synergy with the quack and the quackalope thing, and we have everything around a barbecue thing. Like it's yeah, like we I have these themes. Like they could go together, or yeah, no, oh, I don't know. Is it a barber quack or a quack? No, 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 no. We're going to call the episode <laughs> the Smoke Duck Special. Oh, you're oh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, well, uh, thanks again. Well, oh, Jesse's thank out. You guys. out. He's out. out. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Peace, Take guys. care. Thanks for having us. See ya. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Board Game Barbecue. This episode, number 77, was recorded on February 13th, 2021 and went live on February 15th, 2021. Tonight's hosts were Mike, Jules and Adrian with special guests Jesse and Jan from Quackaloo. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Hyper Viper Games, 2D6 Games and Advent Games and all of our Patreons. Thank you so much for your support. Don't forget to enter our giveaway 
by going to Advent Games coming soon section of their website, then finding our post in our board game barbecue community to comment on your most anticipated game from Advent's page. If you would like to find out more about the board game barbecue, head to our website, www.boardgamebarbecue.com. The Board Game Barbecue community on Facebook, our Discord channel, for which there is a link on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at the Board Game Barbecue. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more reviews, unboxings, and much, much more content moving forward. We record two episodes every week with releases on always on Monday and Thursday mornings Australian time. If that is not enough barbecue for you, becoming a Patreon gets you even more board game barbecue content, as well as many other perks, and you'll help our show grow and grow. If you would like to become a Patreon, head to the link in the show notes or to patreon.com and search for the board game barbecue. Come to our first board game barbecue day in Brisbane on March 27, 2021. Tickets at eventbrite.com.au, which are starting to run out. I think we're at 80% or so now. Uh, Finally, thanks for listening. Here's hoping your next game is a sizzling one. Cheers.